Hey everybody, we're back once again. We have a new podcast, and uh, today we're switching it up a little bit. DC scoured the TikToks, and uh, you know we're older, so that doesn't come naturally to us. So he deserves at least a like for having figured out how to use TikTok. I think that's a that deserves a like, right? Yeah, so I want to be clear about something. I didn't use my own account, so I actually had to <laughs> utilize my wife's. Uh, I don't have a TikTok account, so this is completely new to me. So I kind of asked her, you know, what do I do? And she's like, hey, this search bar, just put in personal finance and you'll get everything you need. And sure enough, the TikTok gods delivered. All right. So yeah, we, we got some, uh, we got a good list here of like pretty highly watched videos on TikTok that we got to go through and just sort of, you know, down smack smack down whatever you want to call it yeah or, before or we get into vote. it i mean all right yeah or upvote that's true um what are you drinking before we get started yeah i've got a you might go to old-fashioned buffalo trace nice okay because it's uh i know that this isn't being released on saint patty's day but it's being recorded on saint patty's day so we gotta you know drink something i got a uh lost coast stout so good deal yeah I'll be drinking yep. that while we watch this. So uh, if you're watching with us, hit pause real fast. Go grab your drink, sit down, and prepare to be entertained. Because you're definitely not getting educated. <laughs> no. I mean, right, you will, but not yet. You get the point. <laughs> yeah, not by these videos. No. <laughs> All right, here we go. First one. A 27-year-old male. Do you want to put $56,000 a year into an IUL? Holy sh**. That's a lot for a 27-year-old, but let's see what you've got. All right, so we got Jimmy Dean here. He's 27, and we're going with standard health because I don't know your health. Underachieve, over-deliver. Minimum death benefit, maximum cash value. Young and healthy, so we're funding this for 20 years. Lifetime income benefit. This is your tax-free income for life. We're at a 5.77 for the illustration. 0.85% bonus with this company. Year one plan premium, 56000 Cash value year one, 50300 Death benefit, $1.6 million. Year five, cash value, two hundred and. 79,000 death benefit 1.9 year 10 cash value $662,000 death benefit 2.3 million year 20 the last year you're paying on this policy cash value 1.9 million with a death benefit of 4 million you're not paying on this anymore but look at your cash value grow and compound that's the power of compound interest right there when it's time to retire you're going to be getting $273,842 tax-free for the rest of your life you will never outlive this. This is all non-taxable income. The government cannot touch this money. Because this IUL is properly structured, you will never run out of death benefit as well. If you live to age 120, you're still getting your $275,000 a year and a death benefit of $459,000. $273,842 times 60 years equals 16.4 three million dollars power of compound interest 1.1 million you turned into 89 million that is compound interest at its finest and you're getting paid 16 and a half million dollars tax-free follow to learn more about the iul stand store and bio to set up your tax-free retirement comment in your age and health if you want to see an illustration done for you all right that was pretty rough uh you go first on this one go ahead uh yeah so i, I want to i'm gonna leave the the hot finance take to you i'm gonna talk about the sales tactic or the you know the marketing of this <laughs> so if you notice what he does is he throws so many numbers at you so quickly that a normal person can't gather it and actually do the math that fast so it's really flashy and it says a lot of stuff but you know you got to get down on the finer details so 
I'll give you the high level details and I use the fancy wealthy idiots uh, compound interest calculator here, you know, developed by uh, old AJ over there. And yeah. after 20 years in a S&P 500 or a VTI total stock market index fund, you'd have approximately 3.43 million. So keep in mind doing that, you don't need an insurance company to help you make money. You just keep putting money there and you'll have 3.4 million. And I also just, you know, I think you'll touch on this too, but I do want to point out the fact that he actually brought up the feasibility of living to 120. So <laughs> if you were to do the alternative, which is just investing yourself in a total stock market index fund, you would have so much money by 120 that it would be unfathomable. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, do, what do you got? Yeah, I'll say this video, it had so much stuff so fast that I couldn't really like stop for a second to wrap my head around what was happening. He was throwing out giant numbers. And I noticed that right at the beginning, he's like, you know, what if a 21 year old or whatever he said, put in like, what What was it? 56,000 56, a year. Yeah. Yep. And then he was like, that's ridiculous, but let's keep going. Because what he wanted to do was by the time you get to the end, he wants you to forget the fact that, you know, there's no way you can put that much money into anything. No one at the age of 21, you know, obviously there's one off people, but no one realistic at the age of 21 could do that. Yeah. As far as like the tech stuff, when it comes to IULs, um, he threw out the illustration, which was like a 5.6% growth on that cash value, which is high. Not Most people can't pull that off. Um, I also don't know if he included, it doesn't say, but he included fees. So there's annual fees. So when he suggests that all you have to do is fund this for 20 years, what he's saying is that the increase in your policy in the cash value will cover your fees. It doesn't mean that you're not paying. It just means that they're using your investment to pay, right? So it's going to shave off that amount. And, um, he threw out tax free a bunch. We've debunked that it's not tax free. Um, they oh. just have a way of loaning money and he proved that, which I thought was interesting. So when he went to like, you notice the cash value, the death benefit part was up to like, you know, 3 million or something. Cause what's happening is they're taking whatever your death benefit is and then they're adding the cash value to that. Right. And then as time goes on, what they're slowly doing is they're going to start shaving away how much your death benefit is and replacing that with your cash value till you get to the point where there is no actual death benefit anymore. And then you saw at the end when he got to 120 years old, he's like, you're still taking out $273,000 a year as if inflation doesn't matter, which, you know what I mean? Like $273,000 a year sounds great today, but in, you know, just in 20 years, that won't be as impactful, right? But then you saw at the end that the final value of the death benefit payout was like 400. It went from like millions down to 400 because what's happening... Yeah for people who don't know, is you're taking loans out against your policy and the loan interest is going to start eating away at your growth to the point where, you know, like right now, the the amount you're paying on a loan is, is way higher than what your policy is growing at, right? And none of the calculations or illustrations account for that. So all this stuff is very complicated. He's talking very quickly because he doesn't want you to realize all these little bits that cause problems with this. And he, what he wants you to do is to probably go to the description and click on whatever his link is that sells this insurance. That's my guess. Yep. And there's also some key points here. So we don't just want to leave you empty handed and make you think about the stuff on your own. If you ever get someone that tries to sales pitch you one of these policies, you can ask a couple key questions. One of them is, hey, can I pull my money tax free at any time? All of it. 
And the answer is no. So you can't just lump sum, take your money back. It's just like if you were cashing out a stock, mm-hmm. you're going to pay capital gains on that. Um, and then the second question is, hey, can I just take unlimited loans and never affect my policy? The answer is also no. Like if you keep taking bigger and bigger loans, you'll eventually crash your policy. And we looked up, there's a technical term for it. I don't remember what it's called. I think you described it as it's going to start eating itself. Um, <laughs> so there are negative implications with this. So you have to be really cautious on your withdrawal rate. So I think we've given yeah. you a couple pointers to watch out for on this. Uh, yeah, it's a it's just a bad video all around. Yeah, we got some more IUL videos, so I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say all the IUL stuff on on our first shot here. Yeah, we've got some. Let's stuff, hit the so. second one. Bam! Here we go. It's a mistake you learned the hard way that you can now help people to avoid. Getting my children life insurance policies earlier in life. I have a 19 year old daughter and a 15 year old daughter. Had I gotten my 19 year old daughter an insurance policy at birth. By the time she's 20, she'd have $800,000 to pull from her cash value to do whatever she needs to do with it. And she'd have over a million dollars in a death benefit. Okay. Well, that was a quick one. Um, I'm going to go first on this one because you went first on the last one. Um, all I can do is my Trump face. You know, we could we could sit here and say like, oh, if you would have invested a thousand dollars, you know, for your kid at the age of zero, by the time they hit X date, it would be whatever, right? I mean, and then we could just pick any number we want. So if you start investing in a wealthy idiots capital fund at the age of zero, by the time they're twenty, they'll have a million dollars to do whatever they want with, and we're forgetting the most important part, which is. How much money is going into it to get them to this point, right? And that's all just breezed over, like obviously, like so. How many? How much fees are they paying? Not like, and you you touch on this. This one ticks me off the most. Volatility when you're not using your capital is the best thing that you can have happen to you, right? It's not a disadvantage; it's an advantage because it means that we get to dollar cost average down the slope until we get to the very bottom and we're buying stuff on sale. Right. So when a kid is zero years old, they don't need this cash. The market volatility works in their favor. Why would you go start investing that money into something that makes them like no difference? Right. Why not put it into like, you know, some sort of college fund that gets the tax benefits so that they can use it at time of education or some junk instead of just wasting tons of capital on fees for these insurance salespeople. All right, I'll let you go. This one ticks me off. Yeah, I mean, you said uh, you gave your Trump face. I'm going to go ahead and give the Joe Biden. Come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, come on, man. This, this video <laughs> is stupid. There, the whole take is stupid. There's no other way. Like, if you eliminate the idiot, the wealthy from wealthy idiots, you just have an idiot. That's what's left. So that's what there is here. I, so. First of all, you're proposing that parents like, hey, you should, out of all the things you need to spend money on, and I say need very specifically, like childcare, formula, clothes, you know, <laughs> high school, sports, like music lessons. Am I missing stuff? There's a ton. So oh, out yeah. of all the things you need to spend money on, you're going to pick life insurance for one of your kids that's like one year old. <laughs> I mean, that is insane. I, I have no right. other way to put it. If you want to protect your kids, open up. Take out five- lines. 
Uh, yeah. So open a 529 plan and start paying for your kids to go to college in the future. So then when they graduate high school and they have, let's call it a quarter million saved, and they can go to any school they want for free, essentially, and not be burdened with student loan debt, you can look at your kids and say, hey, this is what I gave you. And yep. it's not this convoluted, complicated program. Most states have 529 plans. They're simple to use. They have low fees. They're easy to access. There's a new provision that could allow you to roll it into a Roth IRA if it's unused. I have all kinds of stuff. This is just yep. an idiotic take. You get all the tax benefits. And at the end of the whole thing, you get to roll it over to your next kid. So that, you know, if one kid doesn't use it, you can roll it over to the next kid. And Great then, kid. And then, yeah, you could keep going. Or if you yeah. wanted the cash and you pulled it out, I think the penalty is just paying the taxes. 10% on earnings and taxes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, so it's, you know. Instead of paying an insurance company a bunch of fees, how about you pay nobody anything? And a 529, yeah, it comes with fees, but I mean, it is small in comparison. Yeah, I think mine, mine's like 0. .07. So seven <laughs> basis points. Like, come on. In the first few I, years not... of any kind of insurance plan, you're paying like 300%, 400%. Oh, like, get out of here. Yeah, the front load on the fees is crazy. Oh, yeah. But, I don't know. That take was, we're going to see worse ones, I think, but that one's pretty bad. Okay. Let's see what we can find. What does it look like for a 39 year old to put $600 a month into an indexed universal life insurance policy? I'm going to break it down for you right now. Year one, a 39 year old female puts $7,200 into their IUL. The cost of insurance was $897 and they were credited $50. And just so you know, I'm using a hypothetical 6% annual return. So by the end of year one, they have an account value of $6,353, a cash value of $3,520, and their death benefit coverage is $116 thousand dollars. Now I'm going to fast forward to year 10. They are now 49 years old and they've contributed a total of $72,000 into their IUL. The cost of insurance this year was $1,831. They were credited $4,074 that same year. Notice how the cost of insurance is less than the total amount that they earned in their policy. Their account is now valued at $77,786. They have a cash value of $77,216. And they have a death benefit of $188. At this point, the IUL is compounding interest on a huge amount of money, and that interest is paying the cost of insurance. Now, let's look at the numbers for year 25 of this IUL policy. By year 25, they contributed $180,000. The cost of insurance that year was $4,500, but they earned $23,000 in their policy. Their account is now valued at $337,000, and so 
is their cash value and they have a death benefit of $418,000. That cash value can now be turned into a $40,000 annual retirement income. Put your questions in the comments and hit the link in my bio if you want to get started. Yes, the uh, the the young uh, man in the front. I have questions. So uh, my first question would be, how do you explain uh, a simple index fund investment would have returned seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and you only have three hundred and forty-four? Say that again. So, index fund would have ended up with seven hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars, and she ended up with three hundred and what forty-four k. I just want to know where the other four hundred thousand went. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> would she answer that question? I don't know that she would. No. I, yeah. So and yeah. So I, I want to point out. I'm not going to go after the math because the math is so bad on this one. This is actually a really bad pitch. Some of them are enticing. This one is terrible. I don't think there's anyone that should be <laughs> buying from this person specifically. Some of them. The la The first guy we went through was a lot better. So. Uh. But what. What I want to talk about is the cost of insurance, which is insane, right? So you're talking in the last year, I think the cost of insurance was $4,800 for a $480,000 policy. So to put this in perspective, I pay $330 a year for a million. <laughs> I, I mean, it's like pocket change. I just keep paying it because it's so cheap. I don't care, but it covers all my life insurance needs. Yeah, so when you're talking about like, hey, I understand you lost some money, but it went toward life insurance. Yeah, and that's a terrible investment as well. You could have just bought term life at a decently young age. Hopefully you're watching this right now and you hear this. Get a good deal before you develop health conditions and you can just pay low premiums for the next 20 to 30 years. Easy. Yep. Yeah, term and invest the difference, right? I mean, that that's a long-standing statement, but we just can't see how that doesn't make the most amount of sense. Yeah, I, I don't know. And so, like, uh, some of the stuff I think, that I thought was interesting was she said the cost of insurance is X, and the amount of money you have in your account is Y. And if you looked at it, you were like, you put in seventy. What was it? Seventy six hundred in the first year. Is that the seventy two hundred? And you had thirty four hundred cash value. Yeah, but the cost of insurance was like four hundred bucks. Yeah. So what happened to the other like? I don't know how much that is, like $3,000 or something. What happened to that $3,000? That's, fee, that's fees, homie. <laughs> Where'd it go? Because they thought the <laughs> cost fee. of insurance was already, like, you know what I mean? It's like huge amounts of money just kind of disappears in her entire scenario. And Absolutely. then you notice that she says, like, at a certain point, the insurance just pays for itself. What she means is they're going to shave off your growth in order to keep covering this, you know, death benefit. Absolutely. To keep cover covering this insurance. And, uh, you know, like... With term and invest the difference, I get that. You have to actually invest the difference, and that's the trick, right? And people might not do that. Um, but with this policy, you're paying insane fees for the insurance, and then they're shaving off your growth that you could be getting yourself. So essentially, it's all opportunity cost. It's like, we'll give you this stuff at the cost of your opportunities is essentially what's happening here. Yep. Yeah, and I, I think... You know, one of the key parts, and we could have hit this in the last video when you talked about buying infants life insurance. I mean, you really have to ask yourself if you even need life insurance. So if you're one of those people that knows you're going to start a family, you know, you've just had lots of, you've had lots of partners, you know, you're going to find that certain someone, 
you know, maybe it's a good idea while you're 21 years old to buy a 30-year term policy for, you know, a million, two million bucks. I'm not going to argue with it. But at the end of the day, if you think you're never going to have a family, you're never going to have a wife, kids, you know, dog, whatever, and you don't need to leave someone money um, for that person to continue living past you, there's really no purpose. So life insurance has a really specific need set. Um, you know, one of the biggest needs is if you have like a disabled child, you have to make sure you're leaving money for him or her to be taken care of. You know, so there's all these caveats that justify why you need life insurance, but mm -hmm. it's not just because you exist and you feel like you need it. You need it. This is not how this works. Yeah, very true. We talked about this before. Like the, the entire concept of insurance is that we're all paying into something that most of us shouldn't need. Right. And that's how the entire system is balanced for costs. So, you know, we don't pay car insurance in order to cover our gas. Right. We all know that gas is coming. So we know we're going to pay for it, right? And cosmetic issues, upgrades to our cars, tires, whatever. We don't really pay insurance for those things. We pay insurance for the stuff that we don't expect to have happen to a normal person, which is like car accidents. That's what insurance is for. So if you start plugging in, Yeah. You start plugging insurance like, you know, hey, you know, you should buy this insurance because we're going to pay you out eventually no matter what. It's not really insurance anymore. I don't know what to call that now. It's it's more like you're you're paying a company to hold your cash for you is essentially what's happening. Well, and they're telling so you like we will give you some of it back, but it's not gonna be as good as it was when you gave it to us. We'll tell you that much. And that's essentially what's occurring here. Yeah, so it's also I think it's also gambling in a way. So you gotta remember, you know, these insurance companies pay firms and a lot of people a lot of money to mm -hmm. develop these algorithms that determine, you know, your likely time of death, your life expectancy down to a, you know, very specific point. So when they write you a policy, they're taking a calculated risk. And when I say calculated, they have a high probability of success that they're gonna be right and you're gonna croak at the right time, which means they pay out a minimal amount. So it's not like mm -hmm. you're gambling, you know, against your buddy and you have equal odds of a certain outcome. That's not how this works. The insurance company has way better odds than you do. If not, they would all be bankrupt. You know, yep. so just keep that in mind. This is, it's turning into gambling. Um, I just don't see the point. Imagine if you just started insuring every facet of your life. And I wanna give an example, cause there's one very specific that makes a lot of sense and that's doctors. So doctors, mm -hmm. surgeons specifically, have extremely high incomes because of the use of their hands. So they usually take out disability policies that protect their earning power for their whole life. So if I'm a 35 year old surgeon and I'm a brain surgeon, and I'm making a ton of money, I take out this policy. So if I have something happen like a car accident or heaven forbid, I cut my hand off and I can't work anymore, that insurance policy pays my income for the rest of my life. So that's a really good idea. But if I was to do the same thing, it wouldn't make sense. I work in an office. I mean, you could chop one of my hands off tomorrow and in a few weeks, I'd be back to figuring out ways to do things one-handed. I mean, that's, there's differences in different people in different situations. So just because an insurance product exists does not mean it's for you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And then in your, even in your scenario, most doctors don't expect to have that issue. The whole point no. is that most doctors are paying into this system and only a few are drawing out. Right. Absolutely. Right. And a, like a general practitioner could pass on it completely. I mean, yeah. Cause like, you know, they could do it one handed probably. <laughs> Absolutely. As you know, and then 
even if they have to write with the other hand, it's not like their handwriting is going to improve or get worse, right? Good. That was good. That was a bad hit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, you know, we're both dads, so that's what happens. That's what you Absolutely. get. Absolutely. All right, here we go. Let me show you what it would look like if you got an IUL instead of maxing out your 401k. So here's Ooh, an example no. of a 35-year-old male putting in the annual max 20500 into an index universal life insurance policy. He'll immediately get a life insurance coverage of $983,000. At age 45, he'll have $259,000 in his cash value. At age 55, he'll have $730,000 in his cash value. And at age 65, he'll have $1.596 million in his cash value. Now, he can pull out this $1.5 however he likes. But if he chooses, he can take a guaranteed income stream of $105,000 every year guaranteed that's completely tax-free by the insurance company for life. The insurance company would guarantee a total payout of $5.7 million on his original $1.5 million. Now here's the best part. Your interest rate that you're getting in the IUL is tied to a market index, but it's not actually in the stock market, which means when the market is doing well, your index will perform and you'll get high rates of return, but you'll never lose. So you're never going to be worried about a stock market crash. For those that have money in a 401k, their biggest concern is what if they lose a big chunk of that money in a big market crash? That happened in 2008, it happened in 2001, and there's a looming recession of about to happen in the next one or two years. You never have to worry about that inside of an IUL. Plus, you don't have to wait until you're 59 and a half to touch your money. You can access your money as soon as your first year. So if you want to look into an IUL for yourself, DM me for more information. All right. Oh, man, that was bad. So this dude looks like he's never met an MLM he hasn't signed up for. I'll start with that. Like, I don't, like, he's just, he looks like he's trying to look like a finance professional oh. at the age of 16 with whatever's Six. going on. You know, like... <laughs> I can't, I don't even know, but all right. So let me break some of this uh, stuff down. So yeah, I have like 50 thoughts. So go ahead. Yeah. I mean, he, he skips over a lot of data. He's trying to sell you on this stuff. The income stream stuff again is all loan stuff. The, the, the whole comparison against the 401k thing drives me crazy. If you have a match in your 401k, take the match every single time. It doesn't matter what the fees are. It doesn't matter what the taxes are. None of that matters. So when people are sitting there saying like, you know, do real estate, because we did that, we did that one TikTok a few weeks ago where the guy was like, do real estate, not 401ks. And you're like, oh, dude, like this stuff doesn't compare to each other. The very first thing that you should be doing financially is if you have a 401k or some sort of retirement plan with your, with your company um, or your employer, you should take it up to the match every single that's always the first thing you do it's guaranteed doubling your money right there is nothing else that does that he could present iul all day and even the taxes and the recession would make no difference because the matching is compensating for all of that stuff right always take the match so that's always a frustrating thing because it's like you know people i think have this thing in their head where they think 401ks aren't like aren't good there's been a lot of like talks about that. There's been, you know, 401ks don't have the greatest reputation because a lot of people will put their money into it and not actually invest that money, right? And so that cash is just sort of sitting there, but it's being eaten away by fees because your 401k will still take fees out from that. And then in some cases, people will put money in there and expect that to be their entire retirement and not understand how that works. And because of that, the 401k has a bad reputation. So these guys are like, attacking this reputation the 401k has in order to try and sell you a product that is inferior and you shouldn't you shouldn't buy into it plain and simple go ahead yeah so i'm you know i'm not gonna tout 
government regulations, <laughs> but I mean, so there's a very specific reason, and we've talked about this before. There's a specific reason the government passed a law that makes it so there's a penalty before 59 and a half if you withdraw, you know, 401k or Roth IRA or IRA funds. Um, and this even applies to 403b. So the reason being is because studies show that the vast majority of uh, employees cannot have that much money available to them at any given time or they're you know just susceptible to withdrawing it at a whim. So if you have a 401k that you've spent 10 years building mm-hmm. up at your employer, pulling that out when you leave your employer tax-free would be a horrible idea. So the government attaches a little penalty to you know disincentivize you to do that. And I think that's an extremely key point. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I do understand it. And I think that's why it's in place. So, um, you know, two, comparing the two doesn't make sense. So I think you're comparing, you know, into uh, Index Universal Life and a 401k. They have completely different purposes. So the alleged purpose of Index Universal Life is not life insurance. It's to build wealth through the ability to become your own bank. And I'm saying this very cautiously because I don't believe it, but that's what the claim is. <laughs> you know, a 401k is designed to be a, you know, a open investing spot for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years to which you can use as a honeypot in retirement. And it works very well for that. So, you know, you're right. If your goal is to take a 401k and take loans from it every three years until retirement, you can't do that. I mean, you can to an extent, but you can't just carte blanche take loans without uh, repercussions. So, you know, we're talking about two different things. This would be like comparing buying real estate to investing in crypto. They're completely different. Um, you can't compare the two. You can't compare the stock market to real estate. I mean, they're all independent of each other. So, you know, I think uh, the sell on index universal life being like some cheat code, and that's your term, AJ, I'll give that to you. Um, it's, not a, it's not a cheat code. It is literally a, I don't know, it's a bond replacement with a life insurance kicker. I, I don't even know what to call it. That, that's the best I can do. With a life insurance kicker. That's great. No, you're absolutely right. Like it's, you know, the the whole thing, it's like comparing an airplane to a yacht and being like the airplane is better because it flies. And you're like, well, yeah, but the yacht wasn't made to fly. That, that wasn't the point. Like, and yeah, and you can't depends on, on a plane. So, yeah. And in most things, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. And we talked about this before, which is like, usually you have some sort of vehicle for something like a 401k, a Roth IRA, um, you know, a taxable brokerage account, real estate. And we talk about like, why would you pick one or the other and what makes the most sense at what times and why, and et cetera, et cetera. We have those conversations about like, what's the purpose of having this thing, right? For a yacht, you buy it because it's a leisure toy. That's the whole point, right? An airplane is generally more for, you know, I mean, even leisure airplanes are generally more for getting to point A to point B just in a luxury way, right? They have two different purposes completely. Even yep. though a boat can get you to point from point A to point B, that's not, it's like, it doesn't do it as well as a plane, but yeah. the plane doesn't give you that leisure of just hanging out on a, on a yacht, right? That's the whole point. So, and what we're trying to do with whole life and index universal life is find out what it is that it's supposed to be doing in the whole financial picture. And we're having a really hard time landing on it. Right, like yeah, and the bond thing. That that was what you were given, like as an example. Like it's like a bond thing within a life insurance kicker, like kinda. But like we can do better than that. Like yeah. why would we use this? So the the problem for me is you, you know, I I guess I I called it that, and that's the most accurate thing I can call it. 
But then when you sell it to an infant, it ruins <laughs> the whole thing. Because if you're an infant and you are the smartest zero-year-old baby on the planet ever, I mean, you're like above Einstein and Nikolai Tesla. I mean, you're a flipping genius, right? If you're one of those kids, you know, the smartest thing you could do is put all your money in the stock market from age zero to 40. And by 40, you'd be a, I mean, 10, 15 millionaire. So <laughs> that's the smartest thing to do. But somehow yep. we're still stumbling around like, hey, you should buy your newborn baby life insurance. Well, it needs it needs formula. No, it doesn't need formula. It needs life insurance. Like that's yeah. that's crazy. And I, somehow, I you know, find fifty six k a year. You're gonna need that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the other piece. Is you talking about a fresh professional out of college? So like the example earlier was a twenty one year old. That's an early college graduate. Would we agree on that? Oh yeah. Okay. So if you're an early college graduate and you're twenty one years old. You're, I don't know what industry you're in making twenty one or 56000 in contributions year one, but you should really be investing in the stock market. I, I have nothing yeah. else. Or buying duplexes or multifamily units. I don't know. Not IUO. Yeah. I mean, we, we say here a lot, or at least I do, um, and I hope you agree, like house hacking when you're 18 is probably oh. the best thing that you could do. I, right. I cannot tell you how many people I tell that to. I, <laughs> okay, good. We're on the same page. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, if so you and I were in the Marine Corps together. So so those of you that don't know this, uh, AJ and I served, I mean, shoot, the first time we served together, we were both 18. So, I mean, it goes way back. Um, I think we were in security forces school together at Chesapeake, yeah. Virginia. So long time ago, and then we got separated, and then we were reunited in around 20, uh, 2009, 2010. So it was a good reunion. It was very happy. But, you know, I just think back to if, you know, 18-year-old AJ in D.C. would have bought duplexes at every duty station, I mean, where would we be? Oh, man. At least a couple million dollars ahead of where we are now. <sighs> Absolutely. At least. I, I can't even tell yeah. you. So, But, no, I spent all my money on Taco Bell and beer for sure. All right, we got to get this Bell's, next video. <laughs> Taco Bell was cheap back in the day, though. Yeah. And I still managed to spend all my money on it. Yeah. All right, here we go. You're supposed to use life insurance while you're alive. She's absolutely right, and we've been lied to since the 1980s about how life insurance is actually supposed to be used. For starters, there's three main tax codes that we benefit off of. 72E accumulates tax-free. 7702 gives you access tax-free at any point in time without tax and penalty. And Section 101A allows your money to transfer tax-free to family upon death. And that includes the cash value. Here's one client that has 43000 in their account. It's still active and they took a $25,000 loan out of their plan. Here's another one, $88,000, it's still active, and they took out $52,000 tax-free while they're still alive. You see, now they have that loan earning interest inside their account and they can pay it back whenever they want to. The wealthy have been doing this for decades. Life insurance can only be an asset that has cash value and banks put billions of dollars into cash value life insurance. You can use it for working capital, buying cars, real estate, even supplemental tax-free retirement. Oh, I had right. another video that talked about this. I was hoping I uh, I sent it to you, but I'm not sure I can find it. So I've got know, two more. You know, I don't know. I so th this is the example of someone trying to portray themselves as really smart. So he's talking about tax codes, and he's spending a lot of time saying like, "Hey, Section 40A of the tax code says you can get it." <laughs> I I don't care, and first of all, none of you should care, and we're really. 
I looked these up and I quickly stopped caring after looking them up because that's how irrelevant they are to me. And we run the wealthy idiots. So if they're irrelevant to us, they should probably be irrelevant to you. Um, with that being said, I cannot say this enough. You can borrow money from any of your assets tax free. Yep. Am I wrong? No, you're right. All right. So if I buy a classic car, like let's say I buy. You know, for those of you who've watched Gone in 60 Seconds, let's say I inherit like a 1967 Mustang GT500. You know, it's worth a fortune and it is mint. I can go to a bank and say, hey, I have this GT500 and I would like to borrow a $100,000 line of credit against it. And you know what the bank is going to say? Absolutely. Because the car has value and the car has insurance and they're going to say, hey, we'll absolutely give you loan based on that collateral and you can spend it however you want. So just like that, I've taken my car and pulled money from it, and I'm not going to pay taxes on that money. It, you can do this with anything. You could do it with yep. art. You could do it with your primary house. You could do it with rental properties. I, I don't. You could do it against anything. I would say anything within the binds of the law, and probably even somewhat not. You can still do it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I actually wrote that down. I had notes out this time, and I wrote down like the growth tax-free thing. Like it, that is so confusing. It's like everything that grows and appreciates is tax-free. Like if your car appreciated, it'd be tax-free. If your house appreciates, it's tax-free. I get that you got to pay property taxes, but you're not paying on the appreciation of the property, right? Your bro- taxable brokerage account, if you buy index funds and those index funds go from being worth 1200 per share to being worth 50,000 per share, guess how many taxes you pay on that? Nothing. Because everything grows tax-free. You don't actually pay taxes until you realize a gain. And that may change someday, but that's how it is right now for everything. The next one was access tax-free. You can't access any life insurance cash tax-free. We've debunked this one already. It's You get tax-free because of a loan, like you just said. That's it. And you can get loans out against everything. And all loans are tax-free because they're loans. Because they're not, you're not taking the cash, you're not realizing any kind of gain, right? On any balance sheet, it's immediately like you pulled out a hundred grand and you owe a hundred grand. It balances itself instantly. It doesn't make any sense to call it tax free access just because you can pull out a loan. You could pull out a loan against a taxable brokerage account, but we don't call that tax free brokerage account. We call it a taxable brokerage account because it's still taxable, right? And IUL is the exact same way. We should start calling them taxable IULs. And the last is transfer. <laughs> Most of us don't have to worry about transfer fees or taxes for anything. Like, I think the barrier is like $12 million. Are, is a whole bunch of us worried about $12 million transfer? Like, are, are we going to have more than that? And if we do, congratulations. You got more than $12 million, right? And that's to a single person. Which means that if you have four kids and 12 grandkids and you give them each 12 million, you pay no federal taxes on any of that stuff. So, like, I, like what, so what's the benefit to, like, it's, it's almost like they're just quoting parts of the tax code for stuff that has, like, no impact on anything. And they're like, look at this great advantage that we have. You're like, no, that's just how things are, man. It's like, look, <laughs> so- water's wet. Buy my, buy my bottled water. You're like, what? So your, your one comment kills me. I just want to let you know. So <laughs> I want to bang this point home. So if I take $1,000 and put it into a savings account, and then I take a loan against the $1,000, 
that's not saving money. <laughs> I, I could have just not put the thousand dollars in the savings account and spent it. Mm -hmm. So the goal, the whole, the facade they're using here where they're like, hey, we wanna borrow against our money and leave it in the market. That's best worked either in the real estate market or in the stock market. It's not best served by having it in a life insurance company's bank account. That's because that's where it is, by the way. Or they're buying options and making themselves billions of dollars. Yep. That's not the point. So, I mean, if you're going to just go ahead and treat your cash like cash, just spend cash. That's the easiest thing you could do. But if you want to put your money somewhere where it can grow, put it in the stock market or buy real estate and then lend or rather borrow against that and then use that to buy more assets and then borrow against those assets. And then pretty soon you have this pyramid of assets that are just spitting out cash. I mean, that's a reasonable plan. It is risky. We'll talk more about that later, but it is possible. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, but this is risky too. I don't think people quite understand that. The illustrations are showing ideal outcomes. We could sit here and show you ideal outcomes for you know the S&P 500 all day if we, if we want to. But you not only have to pay fees on an IUL account. So if your account grows zero, there's no growth at all, you still owe fees. So that's why we say like, it's not a zero floor. You still have to pay money out. Your account could still eat itself by just not doing anything. Then you take out loans, which has interest rates on the loans and those interest rates are not guaranteed. So these illustrations are coming before interest rates have increased and interest rates have increased. So you're gonna take out a loan. Those interest rates are gonna start eating at your plan, which is gonna reduce that. And at some point, like a lot of people have had this problem they got to start paying back into their plan, even though they stop paying. They got to start paying back into their plan to make sure their plan doesn't eat itself. And if you're in retirement and all of a sudden your IUL guy calls you and is like, look, you got to pay us 20 grand or everything that you put into this is gone forever and the insurance company gets to have all of it, right? And you don't have 20 grand. What do you do, right? You could solve all of that by just investing yourself, not worrying about any of that, right? So yeah, there's risk in the market. There's a lot of risk in IUL. It's just not talked about, right? That zero floor thing, they talk about like it's the second coming of Jesus or something. Yeah. All right, let's hit this next one here. Because you're going to, this, this is a, this is one I think that we both were just like profoundly astounded with. Life insurance is the world's safest industry. There's an account that yields five to six times more than long-term CDs, has guaranteed returns in most cases, does not have to be reported to the IRS, could be accessed by any time without penalty, lets you retire 100% income tax-free, and yet almost no one knows how wonderful these plans are because the government places tight restrictions on the advertising of these accounts even though they are 100% legal. Why are they secret? Because they can't make a dime off of them. If we sold cash value life insurance to everybody in America, there'd be no tax revenue for these guys to screw up. <laughs> Sorry. It, it looks like a preacher, you, but it's This so one's bad. yours, right? I don't recall sending this one to you. Oh, really? Was this mine? Yeah, I think this is yours. Oh, man. Well, did I surprise you? Did you not see this before? Yeah, so my first thought was preacher. <laughs> Absolutely. You it's got so me. Bad. So... <laughs> It's the government doesn't want everybody to know what this is, because if they did, there would be no more tax revenue. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, so so I want to I talk about what happens with most life insurance policies. And I'm just this is opinion because it's really hard to get stats on this. So I'm not, I'm not going to claim to have some secret data. 
But Fair enough. most of these policies, people put into them for one or two years, and then they really need the cash, so they pull the whole policy out at surrender value, and then they mm. pay ca- tax on the gain, and then they still pay tax and they have their money back, and or less money and they don't pay tax and they have a loss. I mean, really not a lot of people get to the point where they're saying, hey, I've been in this for 50 years and look how much cash I'm pulling out tax-free. That's not the normal scenario. <laughs> Just so we're clear. Yeah. It's so like the, the one big comment, I, I think that's, I think you're exactly right. I think that's probably true. And I actually, uh, I pointed that out at some point. Like if you're investing in index funds on your own and you run into some trouble, you could just stop investing in index funds. Your policy is not going to collapse on itself. You're not going to lose everything that you had, right? Whereas an insurance company, you don't have a choice. You got to keep funding that sucker. You lost everything that you put into that point. But he, he said something in this. The government puts restrictions on advertising because of how powerful it is. Those restrictions for people who who want to understand is the original illustrations that were coming out for IULs had like averages of like 10% plus growth per year. And so they were telling people like, look, you could blow away the S&P 500 with this and then you could withdraw tax-free with this whole loan system. And it turned out that like almost nobody achieved that. So they stepped in, the government stepped in and said, look, you can't lie to people. Like you can't keep telling them that they're going to make this when there's no case where they could actually make it. And that's what he's referring to here. So like, it's not that they put limits on advertising. It's that they stepped in and were like, look guys, like you can't keep lying to your customers this way. (laughs) And that's what he's referring to. He's like, the government said, I can't lie to you anymore. (laughs) So yeah. And that's, that's why we always caveat this with, Hey, we're using historical S and P 500 returns. So I think average S&P 500 is like 10.6. It might be 10.5% now that we've had a pretty long bear run. Um, Either way, you know, we try to say we're using a historical perspective. So Mm -hmm. the the S&P 500 could absolutely return 20% over the next 15 years. It could also return four. So we're not saying it's guaranteed, you know, but we're at least using historical data, which is very publicly available, you know, to give you a potential uh, result. Whereas, you know, I want to try to look up the future, the past results of life insurance. It's like this, you know, you have to have seven passwords and then you have to know the passcode at the door and you have to know a guy that knows a guy. You can't get any of that information. It's completely hidden. Oh yeah. Like I, I, I've done some Googling to try and find some stuff. And what I found is whole life is like about 1.5% on average. That's what most people get. And I get that maybe some of those policies aren't formatted correctly and stuff like that. But like, you're and and you know that's after that's including the fees that you're paying because that's part of the investment right like every dollar that leaves your pocket you want to know how much you're getting in return for that dollar that's leaving your pocket you don't care about like if i give you $7000 and you know 4000 5000 worth of that just disappears instantly and then we just pretend like that didn't happen and we're just counting the percentage of growth on what's left over that's not a realistic number it doesn't count because i lost thousands and thousands of dollars and like you said we can count that as cost of insurance but you're paying like you know you could basically find pennies on the street to cover that for term life so it 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 doesn't wash it doesn't make you know any kind of equivalent there yep um so i got one more video and then do you have time yep i'm good i thought you had one more let's hit this last video hopefully it brings people a little further up most common financial 
mistakes that people can make? This is a very specific mistake that I see, but okay. it's so worth talking about. So something like a Roth IRA or a 401k, these are both retirement accounts, right? They're investing accounts for retirement. Mm -hmm. And I see this, especially with women, is they believe that that is the investment itself. So if you put money into a Roth IRA, it's not like a bank account where you can put money in and be like, cool, I'm done. You have to not only put money into the account, but you then need to go buy things with the money. The Roth IRA is just the account that holds the investments. It is not the investment itself. So I will see people put, let's say $500 into a Roth IRA. They will just put it into the account and they're like, cool, it's invested. It is not. It is in financial purgatory. It is just sitting there waiting wow. to be invested. You have to take that $500 and go buy something like an index fund or a stock or a bond. This is like literally costing people millions of dollars. Right. Yeah, so I love the phrase financial purgatory. It's my favorite part of the whole video. <laughs> financial um, purgatory. Yeah, so I'm going to let you touch on the uh, the investing part, but I had a, I thought you were actually going to show another video, so I wanted to talk about, you know, I have one really final take on this whole thing, <laughs> and we didn't see a TikTok that talked about it, but a lot of the claims you hear is, you know, this is what wealthy people do. And I think oh, maybe one yeah. video kind of alluded to it, so I, yeah, I want to shift gears. Yep. So yeah, go ahead. there's a TikTok video of a guy, and I thought I sent it to you. I may not have, but um, he's talking about it, and he's like, hey, full disclosure, you know, this is my Fidelity account, and it's got $10 million in it. So here you go. You could see it. He's like, oh, by the way, I have a bunch of rich friends, and none of us buy life insurance because it's stupid. <laughs> so <laughs> this is an actual, I mean, I would call a guy in 2023 that's just sitting around in the sweatpants with $10 bucks. I'd call him pretty wealthy. Agree? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's saying, like, why on earth would I buy this? He's like, instead, I buy stocks and real estate and crypto and, you know, classic cars that gain value and all kind of art, like virtually anything. It ain't life insurance. So No. Yeah, one of the videos you had said something about this is what the banks do, right? And if you sat down and figured out what the banks do compared to how much they're putting insurance, it's not a lot. And they talk about like, oh, this is a type A investment. They don't put customer money into insurance. And we broke that down before. They, they do some sort of trick with um, people's benefits because they also have to get specific life insurance benefits that they give to their executives. So their executives sign up for some of these benefits. Then they use that to provide the benefit, but also to then cash flow other benefits to the, to the um, executive. That's what they're doing with that. It's not that they're like investing customer funds. They don't find that safe. They're not hiding money there. And then bank owned life insurance, B-O-L-I, bully, is not what you and I get to order. <laughs> we don't get the same thing. So to sit here and be like, banks do this, rich people do this, it's not the same. It's not the same stuff, right? It's like saying like, you know, oh, like a rich person bought, you know, a Ferrari, so you should buy the jalopy I'm selling you. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not doing that, right? Not when I can buy like a solid, reliable car for less money than what you're offering this jalopy to me for. But I liked this video because I didn't know what to expect. I I'd searched, I found this one and it, ha it said 401k in the search. And um, I, I expected something stupid, like, you know, telling us not to put in 401ks, but she actually hit it right on the head. And there's something that I just noticed in that one is that her whole demeanor her attitude and the information that she portrayed was totally different than everyone else. It's not at all in a sales position. 
right? She's just like, look, like this is something you got to know if you have a Roth IRA and a 401k. She benefits nothing from having told you that, right? It's just good information. Like, and she's right. If you just leave cash in there, you're losing. You got to invest it into something, right? Um, I thought that was solid. Yeah, and I think that's a common you know, trend here is when you and I talk about some of this stuff, it's coming out that the simplest advice is kind of the cleanest. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you get a lot of flashy videos and people are showing you all these numbers and it's super confusing. You immediately have to ask yourself why. You know, so if we say, hey, if you put $1,000 in a 5% earning savings account tomorrow or next year, you will have gained 5% on that $1,000, which will give you $1,050. That's just math. It's, it's that easy. And then the next year, your $1,050 earns interest and so on and so forth. And that's the theory of compounding interest. And it's really that simple. You know, so when she talks about it, hey, this is a big mistake and it's this easy to fix. I mean, that's not self-serving at all. That's just a person trying to give good advice that will hopefully help pull people out of the gutter. Yeah. And I mean, I reviewed a uh, Doug Andrew video where I said, like, look, like if he really cared about you and your retirement, he would be telling you, like, do the 401k to the match, then do your Roth IRA, because that's the actual vehicle that does the thing that their advertising IUL does is a Roth IRA. Then when you finally have done all those things, come and talk to me about the thing I'm selling. But they don't do that. They don't tell you to do what's in your best interest. They tell you, stop putting money into things that will help you in your future and start giving your money to me. And you, you have to like, I mean, that has to be red flags immediately. If someone's mm-hmm. telling you not to do the best stuff you can do, which is a 401k with match and a Roth IRA, then they're selling you some snake oil. That's, that's what's happening. Yeah, that's spot on. I guess I just, uh, I mean, we're really trying to train people here how to spot some of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. you got to ask yourself after every piece of financial advice you hear, you know, what is this person going to gain if I follow this advice? And and that's a good question. So here at the Wealthy Idiots, we don't sell anything. I mean, nope. No. I mean, I sold an old nasty couch my dog laid on a couple. Never mind. That's not (laughs) the point. But, you know, (laughs) we don't, we don't sell stuff. That's, that's the point. Yeah. You know, we don't sell financial services. We don't peddle courses. Um, and you know, I, I'm not going to say that at no point in our future, we're not going to provide anything, you know, that costs, but I think that, you know, it's our intention to make sure that what we're doing is providing the best financial information to people, the best tools to people. We're actually helping them out. And there's nothing that bothers me more than people who are handing out like information that is readily available to everybody and then charging for it. Right. So that's something that we will never do. Right. Um, Dave Ramsey does that. I'm going to hurt some feelings with that one. But all these Internet gurus do that. They're like, look, I'll give you all this data that I that I got from YouTube and I'll regurgitate it to you for two thousand bucks. We're not doing that here. Um, We're just trying to tell you guys, like, this is what we've done. This is where we've been successful. This is our research. And that's it. And, you know, we're hoping to get some ad revenue for that for sure. But like, you know, we don't, we don't get ad revenue whether we're wrong or right. Uh, that's not, you know, it doesn't change anything and nobody's directly paying us. Right. Um, no. That's a tremendous difference. And that's how we're going to keep it. Right. Just trying our best to provide the best information we can. Yeah. And I think Dave Ramsey's heart's in the right place. So at the end of the day, he's never said he's been you know shy from earning money. 
So I think he's <laughs> come up with this formula that works really well, and he's turned it into a very profitable scheme, a legal scheme, and I think an ethical one. But nonetheless, you know, Dave Ramsey is selling some info that you could glean on your own from YouTube videos and the like. Um, but nonetheless, at least it's in the right mindset. Um, and that's what you know we're trying to do here is go a step further and say, hey, we can provide this completely free. Um, some other websites do it. Like if you're into real estate, Bigger Pockets is a great resource, mm -hmm. especially if you watch some of their early videos. I mean, it was like real estate for dummies. They go from the ground floor on, hey, if you want to buy your first rental property, this is what you need to do. And it was extreme. It's on a whiteboard and anybody can understand it. It is great. And that's exactly what we're trying to do here at Wealthy It Is. So. Right on. Well, thanks, sir, for showing up again and uh, hanging out with us. Thanks, everybody, for showing up and uh, hanging out movie time with uh, AJ and DC. Um, I hope it was a little entertaining. You got some fun stuff. Um, if there's something you guys want us to react to, like, drop some links. I think that'd be fun. Like, um, we can always take suggestions on stuff. We, we don't see everything. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, and check out WealthEdious.com. Make sure to smash that like button real fast. Uh, anything else? No, I think next time maybe we come up with three videos each and don't show each other. And then oh. see how the... Yeah, we have the other person react. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. Okay. I like that. Let's do that. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thanks for stopping by, and we'll see you all guys next time. All right, guys.